Let's go to Acts chapter 5 tonight. Tonight we'll return to our series through the book of Acts, considering what it means to be a church in action. We've seen already in this chapter how God was using the apostles to show many signs and wonders among the people in Jerusalem, and it caused multitudes of people to come from around, not just in Jerusalem, but the surrounding cities to be healed. And all of this upset the Sadducees yet again. (laughs) The simplicity that is in Christ will always upset religions. And the Sadducees are mad, so they arrest all the apostles. They put them in prison. But remember that an angel of the Lord came by night, and he took them out of the prison, and then he charged them to get right back to the temple the next day and get to preaching the words of this life, as it says. Preach Christ. And last time we saw how the high priest called all the religious leaders together in hopes of putting an end to this growing momentum of believers that's building in Jerusalem that is really threatening the temple, the corrupted temple system that had been put in place. And so they want to put an end to this because these are a bunch of people that are following Jesus' teaching. Well, that's a problem because... They just put Jesus to death. They were hoping that would put an end to Christianity. And now they're hoping they can put an end to it now, but here we are. Amen. Amen. That's exciting. <laughs> here we are still. And so you can't stop it. And, but anyway, they, they put them back in prison, and they, they call all these religious leaders together. But when they go to get the apostles out of prison, oops, they're not there. We talk about how humorous this scene is. Uh, One comes in right on cue, and he says uh, here in verse 25, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And remember Psalm 2-4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. And we talked about how these men, having been released by the angel of the Lord, these are bold witnesses for Christ because they are right back to where they were when they got arrested. Well, they're taken into custody again, but this time without force. The officers at this point are fearing the people. Remember, we looked at how the the treatment on them has progressed. They were coming in with violence. Now they come in very very politely. Would you all mind just coming with us, please? And so they call them out without violence, and they bring them before the council And the reason they came in softly was they were afraid they would be stoned. But they put them before the council, and and the high priest asked them, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Then we discussed, when is it proper to buck against authority? And when it comes to civil laws, we need to obey them to the best of our ability. But when it comes to religious laws, we follow God's law above all else. Therefore, if a law states that we cannot follow God's law, then we are duty-bound to obey God and break that law in order to have a clear conscience with God because we will all give an account. Anytime civil laws are unethical, immoral, or go against God's law, then we have to be defiant for conscience' sakes. Now listen, we're not out there looking for trouble. Amen? If any of man's laws cause you to violate your conscience with God, then you follow God and you allow God to determine the outcome. And in this chapter, the religious authorities were attempting 
to trump God's authority. And so the apostles are bold and they are correct when they say we ought to obey God rather than men. As we begin tonight, I need to double back and cover some of this. I mentioned that last time that we were just touching on some things and I wanted to go back and look at them a little more closely. And let's begin verses 26 through 33 in Acts chapter 5. The Bible says, Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. I touched on this last time, but why would God deliver the apostles just to have them taken back into custody again the very next day? Here in verse 26, why why does God do that? First of all, I tell you, remember God always has a purpose for everything He does. God delivered the apostles to show this counsel. And and this is more than just the counsel. This This is also the Senate here. This is likely 116 or so religious leaders that have been gathered together in Israel. And God is going to show them whose side he is on. They had no logical explanation for why the the apostles were out of prison. The guards were there. Everything was shut up. And yet they're not there. And God is using this as an opportunity to confound these these religious leaders. And it shows us how obstinate they were against the truth. Right? They have proof of what's taking place here, that God is at work. They are being obstinate to the truth that they hear. And secondly, why does God do this? God allowed the apostles to be arrested knowing that the high priest would assemble all these guys together. And then God would allow the apostles in one fell swoop to give them all the gospel. Why would God have them rearrested? It makes no sense in our minds. Delivered you out. I want you to go preach, but... You're going to be arrested again. Huh? Why does God do these things? They're, they're apprehended again because God had a purpose that the lost religious leaders would hear the gospel. They, they needed a clear presentation. I'm sure they had it before. But God's going to be merciful and give them another chance. And, and so I want you to get this now. The hardships of these apostles was the goodness of God towards the lost. Wow, think about that. They're going through a hard time, the believers, so that that can be used to reach the lost. We don't like hard times, but God has a purpose. And so they've been apprehended again, and and this is God's goodness to the lost. It's so interesting how God works. Isn't that right? We, we might say this is one of the many Christian paradoxes that we find throughout the Scriptures. Uh, truly, God's ways are not our ways. We wouldn't choose this method. 
And the fact is, God may allow us to suffer troubles, go through trials, have heartaches and tribulations and all the rest because He wants to use our hardship to arrange a situation where we will gain the audience of the lost that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have. We find this to be true throughout the life of the Apostle Paul. And and we'll see that as we go through the book of Acts. And let's remember that these apostles are apprehended again because they are doing what God told them to do. Don't miss that. They're in the will of God. Right? They're not sinning. They're, They're not rebelling against God. They're in God's will. They're obeying God. And before this is over with, they're going to be beaten. All for obeying God. Many today conclude it must not be God's will the first time there is a sign of any hardship. Right? Well, God's closing that door. Well, you may be misreading God's will in your life. And I'm not here to make you doubt. I mean, however God's leading you, but you understand what I'm saying. God intentionally hemmed in the children of Israel at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army bearing down on them so He could show to Israel how mighty He was. And He used it to destroy the Egyptians. God intentionally brought the children of Israel to the land of promise filled with giants. And from how I read Numbers 14, all but Caleb, Joshua, Moses, and Aaron misread God's will because they only saw the difficulties they would face and they ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness as a result. God intentionally brought the children of Israel to the River Jordan during the season when it was impossible to pass over. It seemed like an insurmountable task to cross the river, but it was God's will. And we could go on and on with examples in the Bibles of things that God brought people to that would seem like in in our minds, in our way of thinking, this is a hurdle too great. This must not be the will of God. And yet that's how God operates. It was God's will for Goliath to go against Israel. It was God's will for the three Hebrew children to be thrown into the fiery furnace. It was God's will for Daniel to be cast into the lion's den. But all of these were going to showcase God's greatness. And it would give them an opportunity to witness. The greatest example of how it was God's will for Christ to be scourged, be led to the cross, to bleed and die for us. But His sufferings were for our good, the lost good, and God's glory. And I'm just saying, the absence of difficulties doesn't always equal the will of God. Boy, this is going great. This must be God's will. Listen, we've got to be in tune with God. So, are you suffering? Are you going through a difficult situation? Listen, the fact is, we will be faced with difficult situations as we fulfill the will of God. Maybe you're suffering tonight. Maybe you're being wronged by somebody. Don't immediately conclude it isn't the will of God. God has a purpose for bringing it into your life. So I would encourage you to look for the opportunity to witness to others and glorify God through it. Well, the apostles are brought in again, and in verse 24, they are, excuse me, in verse 27, they are set before the council. And in verse 28, the high priest asked them, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, it's interesting to me how the council's threatening had the opposite effect of what they intended. Did not we straightly command you not to teach in this name? Remember from Acts 4.17, 
they said, but that it spread no further. Right? They didn't want this thing growing. Christianity, the believers. But that it grow no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. So their intent in giving the threatenings would, in their mind, prevent the spread of the doctrine of Jesus. But we're only a short while away from 417. And now they're saying, Behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. <laughs> Amen. Man, we wanted to end this thing, and it's grown. We see another way in which God works. Probably another Christian paradox, if you will. God will use persecution to further the gospel. We wouldn't choose that method. Philippians 1.12, Paul wrote, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that these things which have happened unto me, his bonds, his imprisonments, what he went through, these things have happened unto me, they have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He understood. I'm going through this because this is God being good to the lost. They need to hear. And by me being bound, by me being in prison, listen, before that book's over, he says, all the saints in Caesar's household salute thee. He was reaching people within Caesar's household. You say, why is that a big deal? Because it was Nero, one of the most wicked men that ever lived. And there were people being converted. All because he was in prison. He was in the will of God. He was going through a hard time. And that hard time was used to be a good uh, opportunity for the lost. So when the enemy seeks to silence believers, it's often when the gospel is going to be heard the clearest and the loudest. Amen. There's just something about a people who are not going to be broken by persecution. Right? The lost world takes notice when people will stand fast in the face of opposition and it causes them to search for what's going on. And it can be good or bad, but there's something about people who just stay with it. And what demonstrates that someone believes that they have the truth more than them continuing through the beatings that we're going to see in this chapter. Proverbs 12.3 says, The root of the righteous shall not be moved. And a movement will continue when those people are assured they have something greater than themselves at stake. Come on, Sunday night crowd. Something greater than you. Don't grow complacent. I know you're here again. But there is something greater than you at stake. And in order for this to continue on and to go forward and to be successful in the eyes of God, we have to understand there is something greater than us that is taking place. Our eternal destination is secure. Our standing is good. We know we're going to heaven. We're going to be with God. But what about the lost? And so God brings you through a hard time. You say, I don't want to go through the hard time. I don't either. But God wants to use that to have an opportunity to reach the lost. And once we understand these things, that there is something greater at work, it isn't all just about us and this world revolving around us, that there are souls at stake. Heaven or hell. This is a big deal. The first century church, they, they knew and they believed this. In Acts 20, verses 22 through 24, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. This is Paul again. Not knowing the things that should befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me. But listen to what he says. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy 
in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. It's all connected. So how important is getting the gospel out to you? When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? I'm not being ugly, I'm just asking. Amen? When's the last time? When's the last time you went out of your way to obey the Holy Spirit who said, go hand them one of our, our cards with the gospel on it? Better yet, when's the last time you talked to somebody? There's something greater at stake. Something greater than how we feel and, and our fears and, and all the rest. And I get it. I know there's times when it's not comfortable to do it. Right? There's times when we don't want to obey. But, but when's the last time? How important is getting the gospel out to Liberty Baptist Tabernacle? How important is this to our church? Once we understand the need is bigger than ourselves, then we will stop at nothing. Even when the going gets tough, we need to stay with it and never relent from the main purpose. So how do we continue on? This is not always going to be easy. Acts 26, verses 21 and 22. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. That's a bad day. Listen to what he says. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. Witnessing both to the small and the great, saying none other than the things that saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So how do we continue on? Our help must be from God. Having obtained help from God, I continue. And we have to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we go forward in the power of our flesh, eventually we will fail. The arm of flesh will fail you. Getting the gospel out must be in God's strength. Keeping our eyes on Him, looking to Him, and then understanding Christ will strengthen us to do all things that will honor and glorify our Lord. Now, before I move on, some of you may remember our theme a couple years ago was taken from this verse. Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. That's one of the goals of our church. Fill Rapid City with our doctrine. And we understand it's not our doctrine, but it's God's doctrine, right? The lost are going to view it as our doctrine. Because they don't understand. We know it's God's doctrine, but they're calling it their doctrine here in our text. The council's not going to understand or want to believe that this is God's doctrine, though it was. And our area does not need man's doctrine. It does not need our opinions. And understand what I mean right here, but they don't need a church's doctrine either. Because there's a lot of churches out there with false doctrine. What the world needs to hear is God's doctrine. And they're not going to recognize it just like they're not. But they understand something's going on. You fill Jerusalem with this. And when you're giving those opportunities to witness for Christ, don't say how you feel about it, how you think about it. I mean, unless, you know, I'm not saying don't ever. But understand that that's not our emphasis. We're not, we're not going there and saying, well, in my opinion, Christ, blah, 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 blah. Is it in the Bible? Then speak authoritative. This is not how I think. This is not how I feel. This is what the Bible says. And, and we give them the Word of God because it is the Word of God that can penetrate the heart and it's not our intellect. 
but it is the Word of God that gets in there and gets to work. And I just want to encourage this church, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a good job. Keep giving the gospel out. Be faithful to take those cards and hand them out. Be faithful to put up the door hangers and those kind of things. Listen, on that note, starting in May, we're going to have Saturation Saturday again. Come out. It's, listen, it's non-invasive for you. You just walk up and hang it up on a door. Amen. We've taken out all the threat. Now, you can go with some of our other men. Uh, they're out there knocking doors. Praise God. And you can do it year-round, Right? You don't have to wait till winter's over like we're doing for the group effort, but you can do it year-round, and that's what a lot of people do. And so there's been people handing out stuff throughout the winter. And so we're going to get back at that now that it's May, and uh, I want you to come out for that if you can. Let's be faithful to keep getting the word out. We're doing a good job. We just need to keep it up. So in, in addition to filling our area with our doctrine, I want you to be faithful of this because I want people to know that we're here, right? We're, we're tucked back in here. This isn't like the best location, right? I don't know what the traffic count would be out here, but probably 10. Amen. Um, we're not going to get a lot of visibility that way, and so we have to be diligent. We have to get out there. Now, listen, we're not giving the Word of God to simply see people come in here. Make sure you understand that when you're doing this. We are doing this because we have to be obedient to God. Right? That's the Great Commission, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. He didn't say go into all the world, preach the gospel, and that's how you're going to grow the church. No, he said, I will build my church. It's up to him. We don't control the results. We just plant and water the seed. And so when you're out there, I'm, I'm great if you advertise our church, but don't make that your emphasis. Right? Well, I just want to invite you to church. <sighs> no, listen, we, we want to engage them with Christ. And, and, and we do that because we want to be faithful to what God's called us to do. So keep filling our area with God's doctrine. Amen? Now, let's move on to the last phrase in verse 28. After they say, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, the high priest adds, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And essentially what's happening here is the apostles are now being charged with sedition. The high priest is claiming that their motives were to stir up the people to get the people to turn against the council. But the apostles weren't doing anything malicious, right? They're not trying to lead a rebellion. They're not seeking divine vengeance for Jesus. They served a king and a kingdom which was not of this world. And they didn't have to worry about preaching anything malicious against the council because God was going to take care of that. Amen. Not to mention they had already asked for Jesus' blood to be upon them anyway. They say, you're intending to bring this man's blood upon us. But on crucifixion day, they all answered and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. And they got what they asked for. In 66 AD, the Romans surrounded the city. They began to choke them out. Starvation began to set in. All kind of major issues within the city. By 70, they, the Romans came into the city and they flattened it. Left no stone unturned there at the temple and destroyed Jerusalem. And, and so why does the council lay this charge against the apostles when all they're doing is healing people and preaching Christ. I mean, wouldn't they be excited that people are being healed? We just see the depth of the depravity of religion. And they're not excited for what's taking place, but they're upset. Simply put, they're convicted by their own conscience. They know they're guilty. In the Family Bible notes, it states this, men often shrink from taking the responsibility of their own actions and are filled with indignation at the statement of the truth concerning them. 
<laughs> don't, tell me, don't tell me that. They can't even bring themselves to say Jesus' name. I mean, just notice how they're talking about him here. Uh, this man's blood. We told you not to preach in this name. Their opinion of Jesus hasn't changed. In their minds, Jesus was still that deceiver. And, and the fact is, the apostles did intend to charge them with Jesus' bloods on their, uh, on their hands. And they were not shy about it either. However, they only charged them in their presence. They weren't doing anything behind their back. Acts 2.23, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. They're not hiding the fact that they are the ones who put an innocent man to death. Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And so the application that I see here in verse 28 is while we attempt to fill our area with God's doctrine, our motives will be questioned by some. Their motives were not malicious, and yet that's what they're being charged with. And if you've, you've done enough outreach, you're going to be charged with all kinds of things. We aren't being accused of sedition, but people will question our motives. And some of it's just minor stuff, right, that shouldn't really offend us. Well, y'all just want our money. You get accused of all kind of just nitnoid things. Y'all are just trying to brainwash people. No, I'm doing that just fine. I, I'm not trying. I'm doing it. Sorry. This, this, is why I have a, this is why I have a problem when I go outdoor. And I, <laughs> that's funny right there. You're trying to take people away from their family. Listen, we've been accused of that by Catholic family members. Right, and I'm not being ugly. That's just the facts. And our motives will be, will be tried. They'll be called into question. And listen, those are minor things, but it's getting worse in America. It's starting to get really bad, in fact. And I think we've been so sheltered here that maybe we don't understand just how bad it's getting. It's getting out of hand. We are at the place in America where Christians are now being accused of hate crimes. We're talking about our motives. We are considered homophobic, homophobic, transphobic. And I turn that around and say, well, you're just heterophobic. And again, this is why I shouldn't be the poster child for witnessing. <laughs> just research some of the laws that are being passed in Canada. I mean, these are serious things. And, and they're to the point where preachers can't say certain things in the pulpit without being arrested. And it's coming to a country near you. Our motives are under attack. Listen, it's now bad enough that a transgendered ex-student of a Christian school can walk in, shoot up people, and the media will spin it, the liberal media will spin it, that it was the Christian school's fault. You understand where we're at in America? Listen, the day's coming. They're going to pass the law. You can't preach against that. You can't preach against gender re or reassignment surgery and all that kind of care. Our motives will be brought into question just like it's happening here. But we have to just keep with the truth. And listen, we can do that sweetly. Isn't that right? We don't have to be ugly. We don't have to be mean. 
Well, back to our text, we see Peter's and the apostles' response in verse 25. I covered this last time. We ought to obey God rather than men. I won't preach all that again, but this statement speaks for itself. Always obey God over men. When there is a conflict between the two, you obey God. Now, to the point that the apostles didn't shy away from placing the blame of betraying Jesus into the hands of sinners, they say in verse 30, and I assume Peter is probably the main spokesman this day, but they say, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Listen, they're not shying away from the fact of what took place. And again, we see their boldness. They had been commanded, don't teach in Jesus' name. And this is why they had been brought before the council again in the first place, because they were out there again at the temple preaching in Jesus' name. I, I, I love this whole account. I mean, they've been busted out of jail by the angel of the Lord. The council doesn't know it. They're charged to go to the council and preach Christ. They go and they preach Christ, and they're preaching the exact same thing they've been told not to preach in. They're preaching in Jesus' name. And listen, if you're on the winning side, you ought to read this account and be excited. Amen. This is a great account. I like watching all this unfold. Uh, the, the high priest wouldn't even mention Jesus' name. But the apostles have no problem proclaiming the name of Jesus. They go right into the message. And, and, and that's who we seek to magnify. That's who we seek to glorify. That's who we seek to exalt is the Lord Jesus Christ. When they go on to preach in verse 31, they say, Him hath God exalted. They're exalting Jesus. That's all we're doing. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And remember where this is being said. It's before all these religious leaders, right? This is like the, uh, the hierarchy of some denomination. I, I don't even want to name any. Somebody might get offended. Amen. <laughs> I'm not being bold in my witness. And, and so there's, uh, there's all these religious leaders that don't believe this doctrine. In fact, they're against those who believe it. And they're preaching, you know that one that you put to death? Him hath God exalted to be a prince and a savior. Why? To give you repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Whoop! Man, this is good. These religious leaders here, I would just love to be in this room at this moment. We're to exalt God. Amen? We're to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to exalt the Holy Ghost. We're to exalt the message of Christ. We're to be out there lifting up His name. And, and why do we obey God over man? Because we have a heavenly prince now. That's what they say. He's, he's now been elevated to a prince. Listen, we, we, we serve a different kingdom now. Amen. And this message that they're preaching goes completely against their own doctrine of the council. The council's doctrine is to keep people in bondage to keep them enslaved to the law and the oral traditions of men, that which they have to add to Christ's finished work on the cross. But they're saying it's God who offers forgiveness, not your laws. Amen. Not, not what you say, not your oral traditions, but it is God who can forgive sin, not the works of your flesh. And if you were sitting in there on that day, I bet you could feel the tension build. Amen. You ever been in one of those situations? You ever watch somebody else fight? It's like, man, this is getting uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just going to be over here. <laughs> it's getting tense in there. I mean, they're preaching right against what the council uh, goes out and preaches. 
these men, these, these learned men in Israel, this powerful council, they're looking at this group of, in their words, unlearned and ignorant men. And they're hearing them proclaim the gospel. Boy, that just had to get under their skin. Here they are defiantly preaching Christ against the council's corrupt form of Judaism. In two verses, they preach the gospel. They preach His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. This is the gospel message. They preach the reason for Christ's coming, to give repentance and forgiveness of sins. And I bring this up to tell you, you may feel like you can't present the gospel. Well, I'm not smart enough. I don't understand enough. I'm not educated. I'm outmatched when I talk to somebody. I'm not that good of a speaker. Whatever, you, whatever your excuse is, but really presenting the gospel is quite simple. I know questions are going to come up. I get that. Some have to be addressed. Some don't. That's another sermon for another time. But surely you can give the simplicity of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Surely you can say that. Amen? If you can take these two verses, you can give the gospel. It's not that difficult is what I'm telling you. It is so simple a child can understand. And I'm not an easy believism kind of guy in the fact that one, two, three, repeat after me, you're now saved. I'm not saying that. Right? I mean, they have to understand they're a sinner. But again, that's, that's, that's a whole other thing. The gospel is simple, and it is easy to understand. And it is easy to believe. And so we just got to give the gospel as clearly as we know how. God can use our frail efforts when we're doing it for Him. Is everybody with me tonight? Um, because so many people, they say, I, I, I just don't know how. No, you do know how. Have you been born again? You can give your testimony. What happened to you? Tell that to somebody else. Amen? Um, and, and this is what they, they go on to do in verse 32. And we are His witnesses of these things. That's what we're out there doing. Hey, listen, you know why you need Christ? Because he, he lived and He died for you. He rose again. And He now sits at the right hand of God, exalted of the Father. And you need Him. And I'm His witness. Amen. Amen. We are witnesses of these things, Peter says here. And, and so is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> this is so good because what, what they're saying is here, we're in, we're in agreement with God. No offense, but you're not. We're in agreement with God. The Holy Ghost agrees with us. And you know who gets the Holy Ghost, he says? Those who obey Him. <laughs> this, is getting, this is like getting real up in there, amen? And, and he's just laying it out for them. But he says, we're, we're eyewitnesses of His resurrection. They saw the resurrected Lord. Visibly, they saw Him. They saw Him ascend back up into heaven. They had the Holy Ghost indwelling in them because they believed in Christ as their Savior. And now they preach Christ, listen, because they knew Him personally. See, that's the difference. When you know Him, you can't help but preach Him. Those who have met the Savior and have had their sins forgiven will testify of the power of the Holy Ghost, of God's mercy and grace, and they will speak of the free salvation that is in Christ to other people. Once you're in Christ, you can't help what, but what's in the heart to come out the mouth. And after this powerful message by the apostles, man, they've, they've given the gospel, they've, they've obeyed God, they're in the will of God. Don't you know the council's going to see revival? They're going to turn to God, man, they're excited. Oh, 
man, this is great news that Christ has died for us and we can have repentance and forgiveness of sins and boy, we see the error of our ways now. Mm. Look at verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Well, that's a nice how do you do. I'm just out here doing the will of God. I'm just trying to show you the way of life and you want to kill me. The gospel message won't always be received well. And, and that hurts sometimes. Because there's people we love involved, right? There's family members, sometimes there's children. Maybe even sometimes it's, it's parents and, and all these things and it hurts. We give the gospel message and maybe we expect a certain result and God doesn't allow that result to happen right away. It's not always going to be received. And listen, they got to do their part. Amen. They have to have faith in Christ. We can't save anybody. And, and, and it hurts when we labor to give them the gospel and we, we pray for them and we want to see them saved and yet we give them the word of God and all we get is a, well, you can't hang up a phone anymore, but, you know, we, we, we get hung up on, right? People slam doors in our faces. They leave mad. They, they will say things to you that are, are upsetting. And it's not always going to be received the way we want, but we still give the message. Don't let it deter you. Just be faithful to obey. We have to remain obedient to God. And I'll, I'll pick this up next time as we keep seeing what takes place on this day. But in summary, I want to remind you, don't forget the hardships that you may be going through. It could be God's goodness to the lost. That God's going to use that. Say, man, I broke down again. I don't know. Listen, his ways aren't my ways. It could be whoever comes along and stops. That's who God intended you to give the gospel to. Are you with me? You know, you end up with blood clots in your leg and in the hospital. For what? For studying the gospel? For those who don't know, that's my testimony. (laughs) Why? You show up and... God put you in the path of somebody who needed the gospel. There were at least three people that got the gospel. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know why, but I understand enough about God to know He can use that for His honor and glory. A difficulty doesn't always mean it isn't God's will. Well, I thought God was calling me to this, and it sure doesn't seem like it's working out. Did God give you the promise? Then don't give up. God's going to use your trial for the furtherance of the gospel, just trust Him. And don't forget, when the enemy tries to silence you, that's probably when the gospel is about to be heard loudest and the clearest. So stay faithful. And, and here's the close. A church in action is going to fill their area with God's doctrine. I would imagine a lot of this is just organic. You don't understand what I'm saying? They're just doing the work of God. And as these people are getting healed and helped, they're going out and telling others. And, and do you understand how, how we ought to be operating? It's great that we get the message out, but how much greater would it be if we could see the lost saved who've never been reached and we bring them in here, disciple them, and then they go out and tell other people? Amen. That would be wonderful. Amen. Our motives may be questioned, but we have to continue to preach the word of God straight, obeying God's command and obeying him over men. And we exalt our Savior as we preach, no matter the response. So I don't know what you're going through, but would you keep this in mind tonight that we've covered?
it could be God's wanting to use that not only for your good, not only for his glory, but to reach the lost. Let's pray.